Talk Live. I'm your host, Jeff Deverter. Now here at Cloud Talk, we strive to help decode the ever-changing world of technology to help you apply it to your business so that hopefully you'll have one more tool in your arsenal to help you improve your business and those around you. Now this recording is from our Cloud Talk Live event, which happens almost every Tuesday and Thursday at 8.30 a.m. Central Time on the Rackspace LinkedIn, YouTube, and Twitter accounts. Be sure to come and watch us there and join the conversation live with us in real time. Your participation helps drive the conversation. Now, let's get on with today's show. Right, everybody. Where did my oh. there we are? All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Cloud Talk. We uh, Cloud Talk Live. We are back yet again for another program. So glad that you are here. Boy, do we have a fun uh, experience for you today. I have got some uh, some great current rackers on. We've got previous rackers that are here. It's uh, it's going to be quite an experience. So I'd love for you to introduce yourself uh, while we get started here this morning. Tell me who you are. Tell me where you are. You know the routine. Uh, we'd love for this to be as much as a conversation as it is about you know the information that we're bringing to you as well. So go ahead and introduce yourselves. I would love to uh, to know who's here. Also, um, if you want to get a hold of us over here at Cloud Talk. Uh, at Rackspace, of course, you can do that. Hey, Luis from San Antonio, you can uh, you can always do that by sending us an email over at solve at rackspace.com. And uh, that, yeah, that is going to pop up on the screen in a seconds. There it is. Awesome. And uh, hey, Satish, glad that you are here as well. Uh, India is here. Navneet, glad that you have joined us today. We always have such a great showing from India. So glad that you are here. Hey, um, today's conversation gets into, I'm going to give you a little pre, uh, preview, into the whole contact conversation about zero trust. So whether you are, wherever you are in the world, whether you're a racker or a non-racker, what I'd love for you to do is as you're introducing yourself, Al uh, Alexandra is here. I haven't talked to you in way too long, Alexandra. Um, glad that you uh, have joined up. i um, excited about your new company. And uh, but what I'd love for you to do is is tell me what you think uh, your definition of zero trust is. So go ahead. Alexandra's going to have a strong opinion about that coming in from the company she's coming in from. But go ahead. Uh, Drew is here. Glad Drew is here. Uh, go ahead and, and in the comments as well, put your definition of zero trust. You want to go steal one from the Internet and copy and paste? I'll never know. But I'd really also just love to know what you have Hey, we have a racker from Connecticut here. Mitch is here. Glad that you're here. We have uh, well, lots of folks showing up from San Antonio as well. All right. With that, let's jump into the news of the day. Uh, as you know, uh, it starts with this week in cloud. Now, with that, let's get into the news. Uh, oh, come on, fancy pictures. Let's go. Um, and it starts with a different sort of article that I wanted to share with you. And it was one that I found over on PopSci, actually. And uh, as you may have figured out from that fancy picture right there, it is, uh, uh, it, it's, that's a picture of outside some of the cooling units at a Google data center. Now in this article, and you can find all these articles, of course, over on the Solve website, I'm going to have a link for you to go and uh, check that out. Uh, uh, Cody Johnson, defining uh, zero trust. It's not a diet, it's a lifestyle. Yeah, I like that one. So everybody be like, be like Cody and give me your definition. 
So if you go and check out this article, what you're going to find is it unpacks some of the physical uh, aspects of these hyperscale data centers, whether we're talking about Google or AWS or, or Microsoft as well. It talks about it from its the carbon uh, impact that it has from the uh, the amount of electricity that it uses. Uh, you know, these data centers are so large, they actually use the equivalent of about 50,000 homes of what a, a traditional home is going to consume. Uh, also, of course, creating a, a fair amount of carbon in the process. Um, actually, one that you may not have realized as well is an amazing amount of water gets consumed in the cooling process. A lot of pledges that by 2030, specifically Google, say they will be they will be water positive. Not sure how they'll pull that off, but a lot of closed loop systems. And then lastly, in the article, it talks about the amount of sound that these create as well. So uh, so a different sort of article. Go check that out. It's interesting to think if 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 you think about the sustainability a fair amount uh, and you use a lot of cloud based services, which we all do and we espouse actually even over here at, at CloudTop. Um, it's interesting to think about the the impact that it has. And look at this. I don't know if, how many of you have actually ever seen the inside of a data center. This is the inside of actually a Google data center up in Washington state. Um, pretty, pretty high tech, fancy looking places. Just actually a whole lot of the same if you ever spend some time there. All right, let's move on into our next article. And that is you think you can outthink the cloud, outcloud the cloud. And this article really helps to peel apart when does it make sense to roll your own from a data center perspective? And when does it make sense to utilize a hyperscale cloud? There are a lot of, there's a lot of thinking about this uh, out on the internet. And I thought this article did a fine job of breaking it, breaking it down. I'll give you the, the cliff notes. The cliff notes are if, if rolling your own servers in your own data center can create a unique value to you and to your customers and your employees, well, then maybe it starts to make sense. But the cloud has become such a commodity for speed and cost and all of the, and capability that it just makes sense. So that's when we get into the conversation of hybrid cloud. So, um, so certainly something to consider there. All right. Well, with that, let's move on over into what's new in cloud releases. AWS has an interesting new capability, and that is their Code Guru, their Code Reviewer app uh, service, now will detect Apache Log4j implementations or any other ones that might be of uh, having an, in, an issue. So, if you're utilizing Code Guru, it can help actually expose when you might have a security problem. Now we're going to get into security a lot deeper here shortly, so so hang tight with me. In fact, let me jump back to the screen really quick where I can see your chats. Uh, uh, Argentina is here. Marcelo, glad that you are here. Um, I don't, oh, there's uh, zero trust is never trust, always verify. Ooh, Aman, I like that definition. Uh, well, I'm going to have our experts pick that apart a little bit here shortly as well. Hey, with that, let's jump over to uh, uh, Azure, of course. And uh, virtual machine uh, level disk bursting now supports additional VM types. And what this gets down to is the ability to actually burst into different types of disk usage and uh, our disk consumption, as well as uh, virtual machines. It can help with certain workloads like booting your, your VMs faster, uh, uh, help deal with traffic spike, spikes better, and handle batch jobs better because batch jobs maybe need a different type of disk to be able to process faster. So that's new from... From uh, from Azure and then over at Google, uh, they have a new feature called um, 
profiling uh, data flow pipelines with Cloud Profiler is now generally available. It's been in been in preview for a while. And Profiler uh, is a statistical low overhead profiler that continuously gathers CPU and memory usage to help debug, to help um, you choose right in infrastructure. But it's constantly looking at uh, at the consumption of what you've got going on to help you better find bottlenecks and, and optimize your environments. So that's what's new from over at Google. And with that, of course, all of these links, whether it's the news, whether it's what's new from, from Google or information about our guests, which you, who you're going to meet shortly, you can find over at rackspace.com slash solve slash 93. Welcome to episode 93 of Cloud Talk and Cloud Talk Live. Well, with that, we're over to the job of the day. Rackspace is hiring like mad. Now, in our thought leadership program here, we don't talk about Rackspace a lot other than to say uh, it's a great place to come work. I sure like it. And uh, one of the jobs that is particularly exciting is a manager of software development. Guys, we are doing a ton of software development, whether it's internal on our own systems or whether we're doing that for our customers. Yeah, because we are, you know, this is this is not the rack space of old of just data centers and servers and people. We are actually really helping people transform their workloads. So with that comes software development. With that becomes people to lead software developers. Now you can learn all about this role over uh, again. You can you can click into over at uh, rackspace.com/solve/93. You'll find a link to this job. You also could even apply for that job. We'd love for you to come and get to work with Daniel and I and Gary over here at Rackspace. Now, rest assured that uh, the solve section of our website is a sales-free zone. No pop-ups. Hey, this is Mitch. Can I help you? Uh, what can I sell you today? Doesn't exist there. This slash 93, in fact, is all about uh, what we have, what we're talking about on this episode. We, of course, put the audio out for this episode as part of the Cloud Talk podcast. We've got some great new episodes coming out. Well, there's a new one even, I think, coming out Friday. And uh, uh, you can find these uh, this podcast anywhere podcasts are found, um, wherever your favorite one is. Just search for Cloud Talk and subscribe. I would love for you to do that. All right. With that, it means we get to go in and have our cloud conversation. Now, let me first introduce you to the two gentlemen who are going to come up on stage here very, very shortly. The first is John Engates. Now, John and I have known each other quite literally for over a decade. Uh, I started at Rackspace back in 2008. John predated me here. He's actually Rackspace's first CTO and longest running CTO. So I'm excited that John is back hanging around with us at Rackspace, but he's doing so in the context of his new company, Cloudflare. We also have Gary Alterson who is here and Gary leads everything that we're doing on the security side of the house. So with that, uh, let's, uh, let's bring these fine gentlemen up on the stage. John Engates, back hanging around with us at Rackspace. So glad that you're here. Hey, Jeff. Good to see you. I'm uh, excited to be here today, and uh, it's really cool to be back on a Rackspace podcast. I've maybe done one or two of those in my day, but it's super cool to be back. Good to see your face, and uh, hi to everybody around the world. Hey, glad that you are here. And uh, you spent a little bit of time here. And at Rackspace, we have a tradition uh, of, of, of measuring those milestones. In fact, you showed it when, when we were in pre. Would you, yes, would you, hit, would you hold that sure, up for sure. a second? Yeah, so at Rackspace, if you walk around the, uh, the building, the castle, as we, as we used to call it, we still do, I guess you call it the mm -hmm. castle still, there are flags hanging everywhere. And this is my 15-year flag. Wow. I can't really get it all into the frame there, but... They didn't have an 18-year flag. That's how long I spent at Rackspace, and, and uh, I took the 15, and I'm still having a lot of pride in having that around this uh, you office. Should, and 
Your impact, of course, on on Rackspace is legend, and uh, we continue to uh, reap the benefits of all of your hard work over those years. So thank you so much. Thanks, for Jeff. That. You bet. And Gary, not a stranger to the program, Gary Alterson leads all things security here at Rackspace on our product side. Welcome back to the program, Gary. Hey, Jeff. Glad to be here. Hey, John. Uh, you know, I've I didn't get a one year flag uh, <laughs> in December, but uh, you know, looking forward to whatever flags I get. Four to the five. We do them in fives. All right. So our topic here today is zero trust. And as you heard when I was doing uh, the little the little preamble earlier, I asked folks to to comment about what they thought definitions might be. And the top one I see here on here is from Navit, and it says it's a security model to secure our networking environments without trusting anyone. A pretty I like that one. Sort of a generic sort of a of a of a description. Another one that, that Megan says is protecting your remote workforce with security. We also see uh, Amon saying zero trust is never trust, always verify. That might be my favorite one that's, that's listed here. Uh, John, what do you think about these definitions? What, what's ringing true to you? Well, I think there is a uh, element of truth in all of those definitions. You have to think, you know, sort of uh, big picture about security and all of those things are true. Uh, sometimes we fall into the trap of contaminating or diluting zero trust. You know, the marketing folks get a hold of it <laughs> and they create buzzwords and they do. You, you probably remember the term cloud washing from years ago when people yeah. would apply the word cloud to almost any new product just because it was hot. Right. Right. I think sometimes we we find that happens with zero trust. But zero trust is not a product. I want to make that super clear for people. You can't just go buy zero trust and put it on your computer. That doesn't work. Uh, it's a model for information security, and that's that's a good high-level way to think about it as a model. Uh, and it really does do what the uh, listeners described as sort of default denying access until proven innocent, so to speak, in terms yeah. of your access to applications. So I'll let maybe Gary, you chime in on on that too. I, I don't want to hoard the call here. That's oh, all good. Yeah. So, and, and Gary, you come from an aspect where you've been in security for a long time. So maybe you can also contrast what zero trust that the model that zero trust is to maybe what it used to be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so when you look back in history at security, right, you used to determine your trust by like a single boundary, whether you were in my physical office and on my LAN or outside my office and on the internet. And I trusted you if you were in my office, I didn't trust you if you were outside on the internet. Um, and that was okay for a while, but yeah. you know, as um, A, the, you know, the use of cloud propagated, um, COVID brought a huge explosion in remote access, but even before then, you know, remote access was always a problem, right? That whole concept of that perimeter boundary as the layer of trust, uh, has gone away. So the question became, well, how do you trust in this perimeterless environment um, or in a boundary boundaryless environment? Uh, and, and the answer came, and it's not a new answer. It was around since, you know, back when I started in security and the Jericho pro project um, is trust, uh, uh, you know, determine trust by the trustworthiness of the people and devices that you're communicating with essentially, and then establish a secure communications tunnel that you can also trust to communicate over. Um, and, and that's sort of the, the, the foundation of zero trust. Uh, uh, you know, 
um, as a concept and as a architecture uh, uh, concept on which to build uh, your security architecture and network and infrastructure going forward. Yeah, and sort of what I think you're 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 really calling out strongly when we start talking about architectures, we start talking about these sorts of, of, of levels of plans. We're emphasizing what John said, and it's not a shrink wrap zero trust product to go pull off the shelf and and you know, hey, give us give, can I have five of those in blue, please? No, it's 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 something that is a combination of when we say architecture, we're talking about a plan. We're talking about a roadmap. Then, and, and of course, tooling does fit into 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 that story. So, let's start with with really talking about how does one start with a thinking through a plan of implementing. What are those first steps towards heading towards uh, towards a zero trust? We'll get into tooling here in a second. I think John has maybe a, a bit of an opinion about that. Yeah, Jeff. I I think first of all. Uh, you have to step back and ask, what are you trying to protect? Um, that's that's what Gary was mentioning. You know, in, in the past, we were trying to protect the network and we were putting that perimeter around it, but uh, the perimeter no longer exists. And so now let's step back and think, what are we trying to protect? That may define or help us guide where we're going to start. And information and data is, is sort of the most valuable um, commodity in the context of you know, computing. And users and their devices have access to information and data. So we have to protect the applications, the users, the devices, and we have to think about that in the context of the entire flow from the end user to the data, wherever it may sit. So today, that information, those applications are more distributed than ever. They are on-premises, they are in the cloud, they are in a software as a service environment. Uh, they're in public clouds, private clouds, hyperscale data centers, uh, and they're typically accessed over the internet. The internet has been, it's really come to the forefront as the primary mechanism, the primary transport for getting to applications because of the remote work, the hybrid work dynamic that's really evolved over the last couple of years. So when we think about um, implementing zero trust, we have to get inventory of where our data is, where our users are, what do we want to protect, how, how do we want to approach that, and then start to break it down into um, components that we can attack it with a, with a zero trust strategy. That's right. That's right. Gary, it looks like you, there's a thought on the tip of your tongue right over there. No, I was just looking at the notes and wanted to give a shout out to, to Dre Oliver out there, uh, who says, I know something about zero trust. Dre knows something about zero trust. He and I worked together in the past, and he built some zero trust strategy. So, hey, Dre. Um, <laughs> you may, you may be on uh, to I do want to add. To, I, I might be onto something with the zero trust yeah. thing. Maybe it's going to go big. Um, to 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 add on to sort of what John John said, um, you know, like the zero trust as an architectural concept is huge you know yeah. applying throughout your net network throughout your network throughout your data center uh into your cloud it can be really really daunting so you need a place to start yeah. um one of the easiest places to start one of the most relevant places to start is in you know a an approach to using zero trust as an approach to secure your remote access mm. um, as users are um you know 
working more and more remotely. COVID sort of caused an explosion of that. But even before then, we had people traveling, you know, uh, uh, VPNing in from who knows where, using their own mobile devices to access uh, 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 critical data. Um, so it makes a, a it, it's a large impact and probably in, in I won't say easy, but easier place to start <laughs> um, by looking at how you achieve remote access and how you achieve zero trust within remote access, including you know making sure you're authenticating your users appropriately right. uh, and strongly, so you've got a good view on who is doing the access and it's the right authorized user. And then you know making sure that those devices and basically authenticating those devices itself, making sure those devices have integrity. Do, are they patched? Do they have antivirus running? Do they have, if you have specific controls uh, that you require for accessing your network, making sure that, that those controls are in place. Uh, and then after those pieces are in place um, and you've validated that integrity of the device itself, then allow access and conduct that access over a secure tunnel. Um, and more and more as, uh, um, Folks use remote access VPNs. They're, they're also recognizing sort of that the traditional remote access VPN is a little more complicated, a lot of overhead. Uh, and there's, well, and it uh, doesn't fit every scenario either, right? Because if if you're all in on three uh, Microsoft 365 or a Google Docs type of yep. an, uh, Google Suite, you know now now VPNing into the corporate network, what value is there in some cases? So how you know deal? And then if you're using Salesforce or you've got some workday yep. in your environment or fill in the blank on the on the SaaS provider, you need this more holistic way to ensure that 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 data you know, is is safe and secure. So, so Rackspace has a new partnership with with John's company. Uh, in uh, so so maybe John, you can speak a little bit. You know, we say that zero trust isn't tooling, but tooling absolutely fits into this. So so when we right. think about what you guys bring. Yeah, so, you know, I think Gary's uh, talking about the traditional VPN and, you know, that was really just a way to get into the corporate network behind the firewall, so to speak. Yeah. There are obviously more advanced capabilities in VPN, but I overheard somebody say the other day that they uh, retired the VPN, the corporate VPN, and I thought that ought to be a badge of honor for, for somebody. Basically, if you're in a, a security, cybersecurity engineer and you've gotten rid of that model of security and moved beyond that, what that means is that you're implementing a new approach to um, onboarding users to the applications. Basically, you're probably leveraging some cloud-based services uh, in the application space. And now, as we think about how to do zero trust security uh, in, the, in the context of digital transformation, we want to transform that security model as well. And we, we want to start delivering or consuming some of our security services from the cloud. Uh, it only makes sense to have, you know, cloud delivered um, services. Maybe that would be a firewall as a service or a cloud access security broker that defines how and who and what you can access and uh, an on ramp to the cloud that replaces the VPN with with something that is more uh, elegant from a from an end user perspective. We don't want to have to send traffic all the way to the corporate network and then come all the way back. They come. They call that tromboning, where you have to go all the way out and all the way back oh, to, so to get basically, uh, you know, access to these applications. And that introduces a lot of latency. And you know, the internet, um, you know, we have to take latency out because we're. This is a global network. 
that we can't solve the speed of light problem. So we have to basically remove latency wherever we can to make that user experience as good as it can be. And so if we can do the security services that we need to do, whether that's you know, checking access in an uh, identity store of some sort or uh, filtering traffic in some way, we need to do that as close to the end user as we can at the edge. So we'll yeah. hear that term edge come up. And that just means doing it near the end user wherever they may reside on the planet. And so edge, cloud, delivered security services, whatever, you know, these, these I don't want to fall into the buzzword trap, but that is the model where we think about Cloudflare in the context of zero trust. Where can we get close to the end user, uh, maybe filter traffic, maybe do browser isolation, maybe um, secure, uh, you know, assets in, in that environment from a, from a cloud perspective. Yeah. So, so we we really do have just about five minutes left. But but from a Cloudflare point of view, you know, you're speaking about how we're handling, you know, that individual user experience, that device experience. You know, what Cloudflare brings to the market, of course, is uh, is so much more than that. From from a denial of service protection, and, yes. and maybe you can get into how you help even protect applications themselves. Sure. So so not necessarily from the user perspective, but now we're going to take it from the apps perspective. So. Cloudflare has been in the market for about 10 or 11 years at this point, protecting all kinds of uh, web applications, websites, big internet properties uh, from denial of service attacks. You mentioned uh, DOS or DDoS, distributed denial of service. Uh, and they did that also by filtering traffic at the edge near where the source of the traffic was. If you're doing uh, a denial of service attack against a website, you're often using a botnet and that botnet is distributed potentially all over the world. So the best place to filter traffic from, you know, the bad traffic in a, in a DDoS is near that, uh, the source, so to speak. Yeah. So we're basically leveraging our global network that we built for DDoS and for uh, CDN and other functions. Now we're taking that and applying it to an enterprise network and security use case. We have 250 locations around the globe, uh, different cities, different countries, uh, including China, and we're using that global network, 250 locations, to be the on-ramp or the gateway to the cloud and to allow um, uh, the users to, again, take advantage of that network, the scale of that network, yeah. to uh, apply the security policies, the zero-trust approach to security. Yeah, I love the fact that you're doing that out as, as close to the edge as possible, as opposed to some you know central aggregation point that then again tromboning out. You don't want to go to one place to do something and then have to have to head somewhere else. So Gary, when we think about the combination of services and the tooling, like 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 what John and the folks over at Cloudflare bring to the market, you know how how does the you know the it's it's not just about tooling, of course. Tell me where people where strategy then fits into this. Yeah. So, I mean, I think from a people perspective uh, uh, and, and a strategic perspective, um, as you you look at um, how you go about implementing a, a zero trust architecture, there's really sort of two aspects to it from a people perspective. One, there's your actual end users themselves, right? Um, uh, and some of the end users need access to data, right? So you need to validate who they are, validate the machines they're accessing or the devices they're accessing from, have some integrity and then give them, uh, you know, access. And then what they're accessing uh, over time, you want to make sure have that has that same kind of integrity. 
whether it be a, a cloud-based serverless application or it be you know traditional server-based application. Um, so that's sort of the first sort of people element. The other, uh, what I'll call user element of that is you know uh, administrators who who have maybe even more access. Mm. Uh, um, and in you know one of the the, the tenants uh, of his potential zero trust architecture is that you know as your need for access and your ability to do harm essentially goes up you know that ratchet you ratchet up also the amount of validation that you're doing on is that the right uh, person you know i.e you're validating their identity uh in a, in a, in uh, a more stringent fashion, and that the devices that they're accessing from may have more stringent requirements. So, being able to diversify your policy on the basis of, you know, what someone may have access to or what their role is, and that can play out also as well to additional roles like finance, who has access to financial data, or HR and HR data, or you know, uh, uh, P PII, etc. I think the other aspect is just a, a more people perspective on policy and in architecture and um, building principles and patterns that you know architects can use uh, to build applications and build out new cloud-based infrastructure. Because we know it's not centrally built these days, right? It's it's built through code. It's built through uh, uh, SREs and developers, and so we have to give them the right training and patterns in how to build applications with uh, an infrastructure with zero trust in mind. Yeah. So, um, you know, we only have 20 minutes to have the conversation. I feel like we've just gotten through the introduction of the topic. Uh, I'd love to come back and maybe even step through some of the aspects of, of application life, life cycle, uh, where the tooling fits in, where the right people fit in, where the right strategy fits in, where we can maybe educate a little bit more and go a little bit deeper into implementing a zero trust strategy. I think we, we just got through the definition, uh, which is which is great, of course. And uh, John, it was so good to have you back. Uh, I look forward to you being back on these uh, here in the in the not too distant future. Thanks, Jeff. It was a pleasure to be here today. Oh yeah. So everybody uh, and Gary, of course, uh, always a pleasure. You have, uh, the door is always open to you. Everyone, as always, um, thank you so much for being a part of today. I want to remind you that you can go and find uh, the audio for this or all of the links uh, as well that we talked about, information about John. If you want to learn more about what's happening over uh, at Cloudflare, uh, all of John's contact information is there uh, in Cloudflare's content. So head over and chat with them. Uh, audio for this, of course, available on the podcast. You can uh, find that anywhere podcasts are found. Everyone, I hope you have an amazing day and uh, we'll be back here on Tuesday with the next edition of Hot Talk Live. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Cloud Talk Live. Now here at Cloud Talk, we strive to help decode the ever-changing world of technology to help you apply it to your business so that hopefully you'll have one more tool in your arsenal to help improve your business and those around you. Now, this was a live event, which happens almost every Tuesday and Thursday at 8.30 a.m. Central Time on the Rackspace LinkedIn, YouTube, and Twitter accounts. Be sure to watch us there and join the conversation live with us. Now, if you haven't already subscribed, I'd encourage you to do so and maybe even give us one of those five-star reviews. These episodes can be found anywhere podcasts are found. Until next time, I'm Jeff DeVerter for Cloud Talk and Cloud Talk Live.